The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Monday, May 8th, 2023. This is the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. He is Carter Bird. He's back in the studio with me on this Monday afternoon. Carter, hope you had a good weekend. You were telling me a little bit about your trip and the, uh, the golf trip you were on and... Uh, Unfortunately, you picked a, a really bad Friday to miss. There was a lot of yep. news that went down, but you'll have your chance to talk about it today. But I hope your weekend was fantastic, and it sounds like you had a good time, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a good uh, bachelor weekend for my uh, buddy who's getting married in August. And Not um, your bachelor trip, huh? No, no. Uh, <laughs> not, not mine. Uh, but we went up to South Pittsburgh, uh, Tennessee, and played Sweeten's Cove, the golf course up there. That is uh, owned at least partially by Peyton Manning and Andy Roddick. There you go. Really, really, really cool experience. Very difficult course, uh, but a lot of fun. Yeah, you were telling me a little bit about it uh, before we came on the air. And so glad you had a good time. Glad to have you back in the studio. We've got some things to talk about today, man. There's there are all sorts of stuff going on around Auburn athletics. Uh, it's a it's a great Monday. There's a lot going on today. Should be a busy day, busy week, and uh, we'll get caught up on everything that's going on. If you missed anything, we will let you know. Uh, we'll give our thoughts on it, Carter. I know you have some thoughts on all the news going on that you didn't get a chance to talk about on Friday. We have even more news to talk about today, and so should be a very very busy show here on this Monday afternoon here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. We're going to talk about, starting off today, talk about the the teams on the diamond because they had an impressive weekend uh, in over in Plainsman Park and at Jane B. Moore Field. So we'll talk about what Auburn baseball and Auburn softball did this weekend. Then coming up at 2.30, we'll get Carter's thoughts on the quarterback situation. I'll give you my thoughts as well. We'll kind of break that all down. Plus, a new guy that he will be throwing the football to. And so we'll talk about all of that coming up at 2.30. Also, some Auburn basketball news with transfers, some Auburn basketball news in the NBA. And then coming up at 3.30, basically everything we're going to talk about today, Jacob Hill going to wrap it up with us at 3.30 of the Auburn Sports Network. So it is an Auburn-loaded show today. And while we're talking, we'd love to hear from you. Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. That number again, 334 321 You can also hit us up on Twitter. Just tweet at us at ESPN1067. Your comments, questions, concerns, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter as well. But let's open it up with, as I mentioned, Auburn baseball and Auburn softball both had 
Extremely impressive weekends. Auburn softball handling business, getting it done. They're now into the SEC tournament where they are a three seed and they will have the double bye. And they were predicted to not be anywhere near the three seed in the SEC. I saw where they were predicted at in preseason, what, eighth, ninth, tenth in the conference yeah. around the SEC. And here it is. Auburn softball will be the third seed in the SEC tournament with some really, really talented squads. And so congratulations to them. Yeah, they've they've been great. The way that they've handled their business down the stretch has been uh, rather impressive as well. Getting the series win against uh, Alabama on the road, getting that win. Well, really, if you go back before that, uh, getting the series win at home against a ranked LSU team, following that up with a series win against a really good Alabama team, beating Montana Fouts, the legendary softball pitcher who's been at Alabama for feels like forever. Then you go on the road to a good South Carolina team, get that series win, and then you cap it off with a series win against Mississippi State. That's four straight series wins to finish the year, and you're feeling pretty good going into postseason play, pretty good about your chances of hosting, really. Yes, absolutely. And so a three seed for Auburn softball in the SEC tournament, which will be played in Fayetteville, Arkansas, uh, coming up starting on Thursday. And so uh, good luck and congratulations to Auburn softball. Jacob Hillman will tell us all about that coming up in hour number two as he is uh, part of the broadcast team with the Auburn Sports Network for Auburn softball. But the bigger news that a lot of people saw from not just in Auburn, but around the country, Auburn baseball they're the hottest team in America right now. They're yeah. coming off a win over number two South Carolina last week. What'd they do? Well, they just backed it up with a win over number one LSU this weekend at home. No, they didn't beat uh, old uh, Skeens on the mound on Friday night. They had a chance to. They just couldn't quite get it done. But they turn around and get the win on Saturday and the series win on Sunday. Auburn baseball is alive and well, ladies and gentlemen. They are playing really, really good baseball, and it has started on the pitcher's mound where they allowed, or they did not allow, I should say, an LSU offense to go off on them like we've seen LSU do this year and like we've seen Auburn's pitching staff allow this year, and then the bats continued to do their thing. Auburn baseball, a series win over number two South Carolina and a win over number one LSU in back-to-back weekends. They're feeling pretty good about themselves coming down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, uh, they have had such an impressive couple weeks here. Really about as impressive of a two weeks as anybody in the country can can say that they've had. I mean, they kind of like the softball team. You take two out of three against Mississippi State. You take two out of three against South Carolina on the road. That's number two South Carolina at the time that you played them. And then you are at home against number one LSU. And look, Paul Skeens is going to do Paul Skeens things. And he did that on Friday. And it was filthy and disgusting and nasty. But the way that you battle back and win the next two, and especially the emphatic nature of Game 3, you feel awesome about where you're at as an Auburn team right now. And basically what needs to happen, I mean, handle your business against Samford in your midweek this week at the Met in a game that you have scheduled so you can get a game in at the park that you might be at uh, in a couple weeks uh, that I think you will be at. Now, I think it'd be difficult for Auburn not to make it to Hoover. You'd have to almost, Crash and almost burn. go 0-6 in your last six SEC games, probably. Um, you have the 13th 
the 12th and 13th teams in the SEC baseball standings right now, I believe. I will double-check that. Who played each other this weekend. Ole Miss and Missouri played each other this weekend. Yes. So Missouri is sitting there at 12th at 7-17. and 17. Ole Miss is 6-18, and 18, which is tied for Mississippi State for worst. Isn't that crazy? Those two programs are at the bottom of the SEC. I know we talked about it early on, oh, yeah. but they just haven't figured it out. They haven't figured it out, and I there's, just there's a real scenario where so twelve teams make it to Hoover to play in the SEC baseball tournament. There's a real scenario where your two teams that don't go this year in the SEC are your last two national champions. That would be insane. I mean, that would be state didn't insane. make it last year. They would not make it two years in a row, and Ole Miss after winning it. Last year would also not go. It's been a wild year in the SEC for baseball. I mean, think about, uh, again, Ole Miss and Mississippi State being in the bottom tier of the conference coming off of back-to-back national championships for those programs. You have what's going on with Alabama baseball right now, which is a disaster. You have Auburn baseball. And yet, they took two out of three against Vanderbilt. Yeah, how about that? How about that? They came out the day after all that went down and and won game one against Vanderbilt and then, like you said, ended up taking the series against the Commodores. So good for them, honestly. Good for them to to come out and and respond and put something together and not fall apart if you're Alabama baseball. You've got that going on. You have Auburn who's coming down the stretch and making all sorts of noise. It's been a wild year in the SEC for baseball. But you look at Auburn. They come off this series win. Yeah, Friday night. Paul Skeens, he was he's the man. I mean, there's a reason he's going to be a top two pick in this year's MLB draft, and Auburn loses three to nothing. You out hit LSU Friday night. You just couldn't get any runs across the board. Then you bounce back on Saturday with an eight to six win, a solid win for Auburn. You got the runs, you held LSU under six or two six. And then on Sunday, not only did you win the game, and not only did you win the series. You run-ruled them in eight innings. You beat them 12-2, to two and they called it. That's huge for this Auburn team. And so you beat South Carolina, the number two team in the country, where you should have swept. Then you come back and you beat the number one team, LSU. Auburn is feeling really, really good. Auburn baseball, that is. They're feeling really good about themselves as they go on the road to Oxford this week, this weekend on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. And then you have Missouri at home to wrap up the year. The two worst teams in the conference is how Auburn finishes up. And the magic number that we've been talking about is 13 at minimum, 14 to feel comfortable. Well, Carter, Auburn is at 11 conference wins. They're 11 and 13. And if you're trying to get to 14, all you need is three. You need three wins out of six six games. Against two of the bottom three teams in the league. You're feeling pretty good about yourself right now if you're Auburn baseball. So, excited for them happy for them uh if you had the chance to go over to plainsman park this weekend i'm sure you got to experience uh, a really really cool weekend even if you went on friday in the loss you got to see a top draft pick on the mound you also got to see all weekend long a top draft pick the number one draft pick in the batting lineup for lsu and you also if you were there saturday you got to see the eagle fly at plainsman park and it's i was not there but it looked like it went well uh, looked like it went well and was really, really cool. And then if you were there Sunday, you got to see a run rule of the number one team in the country. So it doesn't happen too often as another special weekend over at Plainsman Park. And again, just really excited to see what Auburn softball does in the SEC tournament and have a chance to host, which would be 
Would that be the first time? Did Hill, has Hillman told us that before? That would be the first time, or would it just be first time in a long no, no, time? No, no, no. It's first time since the Myers. Uh, gotcha. Okay. Was, so softball was, was running the program. Softball has a chance to host, and baseball has revived their season because look back at the Auburn baseball schedule. Right. Look back when they lost that series at Tuscaloosa. We were like, man, what's going on? Right, You lose that series at Tuscaloosa. You lose that series at home against Texas A&M the weekend before that where Auburn just could not find the strike zone and they walked double-digit batters. I mean, that was a... That was a dark a dark moment for Auburn baseball in this 2023 year because we're like, man, if Auburn can't find the strike zone and can't keep guys off first base by walking them, how in the world are they going to beat South Carolina and LSU coming up in a few weeks? And then they go and they lose to Georgia Tech in the midweek. They lose the series in Tuscaloosa against Alabama after winning the opening game of the series. Auburn was not feeling great, and they went into that Mississippi State series. It was borderline must-win for Auburn and they turned around and did it they absolutely did it they had a chance to sweep that series as well and they've turned it on ever since now the midweek hasn't been extremely kind to them they turned around and lost to Troy after that but they turned around and beat South Carolina after that so Auburn baseball should be feeling good about themselves they have a lot of confidence they've got a lot of talent and baseball especially in college, it's all about the momentum. It's all about the confidence. And I think this Auburn team is there. They go on the road uh, to uh, Birmingham up in Hoover. They play, uh, like you mentioned, Carter, they'll play Sanford at the Hoover Met this week, uh, tomorrow actually. And then they'll play at Oxford to take on Ole Miss this weekend before Jacksonville State next Tuesday at Plainsman Park and then finishing up the regular season with Missouri at home as well. I think if you take care of business against Sanford, and you go if you go five and one down the stretch, and win a game or two in Hoover, we're talking about an Auburn team that'll go from potentially being out of the NCAA tournament to having a pretty strong resume to host. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't yeah, that be, be something? That'd be amazing. Because really again, be. you go back to that A and M series, and that's the exact conversation we were having. Was there's a chance if Auburn baseball doesn't turn this thing around? They may not make the. They may not go to Hoover. Well, they, they may not make the postseason. The they didn't turn it around that weekend. I know. I they, know. They turned it around. I guess against State, but State's not very good. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say officially they turned it around against South Carolina and against all odds. I mean, they decided to ter- turn it around against the number two team in the country, and they said, you know, that wasn't good enough for us. Let's I mean, just are, beat the number one team of the country and makes this official. They're they're about as big of a mover in the RPI in the last seven days as there is in the top fifty. They they went up seven spots. The only teams that went up more were Rutgers, Xavier, who came from way farther back, Oklahoma, um, and then you get to how about this? Campbell. The Campbell Camels. How about that? Moved up 17 spots. Auburn moved up seven. Um, Campbell went perfect this week uh, and got some quality, quality wins against UNC, Elon, and then swept UNC Asheville. Good for Campbell. Huh? Good for Campbell. Well, again, if Auburn were to go 5-1 and one in down the stretch for Auburn baseball in their SEC plus – Plus, if you uh, if you get your midweeks taken care of, you'd be thirty four and twenty and one, sixteen and fourteen in SEC play with a top twenty RPI in the entire country. 
Auburn baseball would have a legitimate chance to host. Now, you would need to get a couple of wins in Hoover, but if you did that, I think you'd be in a really good spot. And so Auburn softball, they're a number three seed in the SEC tournament in Fayetteville coming up in this weekend weekend. Auburn baseball, the two best wins across the country in a two-week span, so they should be feeling good. Butch and the boys should be feeling pretty good as they get to Sanford in the midweek and Ole Miss this weekend. Got a couple of phone calls. We'll get to them when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get to the phone lines. Got a couple people holding on through the break. We appreciate them doing that. And Shane, you're up first. You're on the line. Welcome in, Shane. Hey, guys. How are y'all today? Doing good, Shane. How are you, man? I'm, I'm well. Um, so, a uh, couple things about the baseball. Uh, number one, how, how awesome is it that we beat the, the number one team with our pitching? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's you something I, mean? I I wanted to to bring up was it seems like they've sort of figured the pitching Started out a little to bit. Turn somewhat of a corner. They, they, I think I think they have it, and and it, even if they it's not ginormous, it's it's the these guys now have some confidence. Mm-hmm. They just beat some good teams, yep. you know, and uh, so that. I've got to give them confidence heading into the end of the season. This is when you want to be hot. The baseball is streaky, you know. And if we're if we're hot towards the end, then that's 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 what you need. Yeah, um, so, you're right about that. Um, that's awesome. And the other funny little thing is, uh, uh, I wasn't watching the game uh, Sunday. So my my wife messaged me. She goes, Do you, "Are you watching the game?" And I said, uh, "No, I'm not right now." She goes, "You should probably go go look at it." And uh, so it was. Uh, we were up six. Six one in the mm-hmm. first. After the first, yeah. And then, and, and then she says, "Well, don't know. I probably should have said that because it's Sunday, and do you know how we play on Sunday." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it well, seems I, like they were winning when you weren't watching, Shane. That's what you're telling me. I know, and I'm very superstitious about that sort of thing. Unfortunately, so I'll just kind of like get the highlights. And then I'll then I'll watch it after the game. I'll go back to watch the game. I'm so superstitious about that. Um, I have a grandfather that does that for Alabama football games. He he's gotten up there in age to where he won't watch the games anymore because he's superstitious and it stresses him out. So he watches the replays yeah. if they win. Yeah, it stresses me out because I love I love I love Auburn and um it, it stresses me out when we when we're when we're sucking it up. So anyway, I thought that was funny. Yeah, we're not gonna. Don't get to your hopes up. It's Sunday, but that's hey, right. Man, we pulled out and run rule number one team. That's that's all. Not many teams can say that, Shane. Appreciate the call, man. It's good to hear from you. That is Shane joining us on the phone lines. Yeah, it seems like pitching has, has, I think Shane's right. Confidence is really important when it comes to that. Guys have matured with more reps, more experience. Guys have settled in and started Mm -hmm. to pitch better and better over time. And my thing, too, before we get to Ed, who's been holding on through the break, we're going to get to him in just a second. My thing is. You know, when, when all these injuries started happening and the bullpen was so diminished and they were struggling really, really bad, and even starting pitching was struggling as well, we kept saying, you know, they've been injured, they're, you know, new faces and whatever. You can only cry those rivers so many times, right? You can only say those things so many times before it's time to just accept your fate and figure it out with this Auburn pitching staff who was going to be injured most of this year especially when they announced that Gonzo was out for the year uh there was there was a moment where the pitching staff just had to say okay we just got to figure it out 
And so I think they did, and 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 it looks like they have absolutely done that. Let's get back to oh, it looks like we may have lost Ed. So Ed, if you're if you're still out there, go ahead and call back. We'd love to get back to you. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We're about to throw it to you, but if you want to call back, we'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah, I think with with the pitching, that's my biggest thing is. They could have easily just fallen over and said, yeah, well, we're injured and we're not that good. We're not playing good, I should say. And, and we're just going to accept our, our fate on this and go and play for next year. But they didn't, right? And they could have looked at the schedule. Auburn baseball could have. They could have looked at the schedule and said, man, we got to play after coming off of back-to-back SEC series losses against Texas A&M and Alabama they could have looked at their schedule and said, okay, we have to play Mississippi State. No, they're not that great this year, but it's still a big program. Then you have to play at South Carolina, and then you got to play LSU. They could have said, no, nah, we're just we're, we're doomed, but they yes. didn't. And they, abs- they came back with confidence, and here they are, and they revived their season. Let's get to the phone lines again, 334-321-1390. Bill, you're on the line. Welcome in. Good evening. How are y'all? Doing well, right. man. How are you? Doing good. Throw a little food for thought out. Okay. Coach, the other night when the umpires was making a mess trying to eject the LSU coach. Yes. First time I'd ever seen coach get upset and come out and get on the umpires. He fired his team up. He showed it, and he was out there fighting for them. He was committed to them, and he, he lit a match under that team the other night. Yeah. I mean, Butch has the – Butch doesn't show a lot of emotion often, but when he does, you you really do see a fire. You see a uh, just how much he cares, just how much this means to him, and I respect that about him. And I, I've seen it a few times in his career, but it doesn't happen often. You're right about it's that. In practice, or I've been a couple times uh, in games, and and I think that Butch moments like that do show that Butch just how much it it means to him and and he he is like you said willing to go fight for his team he showed it he put it out there he got he was he was stern he was firm the umpires really couldn't say nothing but hey we messed up we we're trying we're trying to make it right yeah. you know and i got to give them i got to give them a shout out hey they admitted they had made a mistake and you know you, what can you do after you make it? Just, just go on, you know. Right. Correct, correct it if you go. correct it if you can, and if you can't, you just got to accept it and move on. And I respect that from from umpires or officials or anything. I mean, they're still humans, right? So they're going to make mistakes. But yeah, I think Butch uh, he chose a really good time. I mean, you're playing the number one team in the country. If you're going to show your emotions, you better do it then. Well, he planted the seed. He got he got a fire lit in, and they and and you know it was still a borderline. You know, we were we were we we were. We were we were flirting with disaster, yeah. You know, it, it, about that time. But then we came. It, it lit a match. It, it, they gave them some fight, and uh, they came on. Yep, they did, and it, it it obviously did something. And this team's playing really well right now under Butch Thompson, no doubt. Let me tell you something. He's taking those pictures. He had a bunch of young babies, and he's throwing them out to the wolves. And he's not. He told them not to focus on the winning and losing. You work on you. You know, we learn learn something from life about that. If we just work on ourselves, success will come. Mm-hmm. And he throw it one pitch at a time, get it where you need it, and go back and watch the film, and you'll see where you made your mistake, and you'll correct it and go. And he has developed. He's they're 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 getting hot at a good time. Yep, you're absolutely right. There's one of the there's a reason that Butch Times is one of the best in the business, right? 
Hey, he, <laughs> he, he's got the tracks. Just stay with him. That's they, right. They, Auburn better know, well, I think with the AD we got now, he knows what he is. But mm-hmm. we better recognize we've got a winner right there. You No doubt about it. Bill, it's good to hear from you, man. We appreciate the call. That is Bill joining us on the phone lines along with Shane uh, talking Auburn baseball and softball to start the show today. I think that was the only right way to start it with what they both did over the weekend. Softball, the three seed in the SEC tournament. Baseball just went through the gauntlet of their schedule and didn't bat an eye. They take care of number two South Carolina and number one LSU. And looking ahead again one more time before we get to break. Sanford this week, tomorrow, up in Hoover at the Hoover Met. Then you go to Oxford and take on a bottom two Ole Miss team, which doesn't even sound right off the tongue, but that's what it is, a bottom two Ole Miss team on the road at their place starting on Thursday, and then you come back, you play Jacksonville State on Tuesday at Plainsman Park before taking on and finishing the regular season with Missouri, the worst team in the SEC. So Auburn's in a really, really good spot as of right now. Get three wins, you're in the postseason if you go 5-1 and one and take care of your midweek, you've got a chance to host if you're Auburn baseball, which three weeks ago wasn't even a possibility for this Auburn team. So they're playing really well, and they're getting hot at the right time. 3-3-4, We're going to talk Auburn football and get Carter's thoughts on the new quarterback. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. He is Carter Bird. Let's get back to the phone lines on what's been a busy hour number one, 334-321-1390. And Ed, welcome in. You're on the line. Hey, guys. I'm, I'm sorry I had stuck out for a second. I had a, a call I had to take. But, okay, uh, no worries. Uh, okay, uh, uh, on, on baseball, uh, you know, uh, you just got to love the job that Butch Thompson has done at Auburn. And, uh, at, you know, I, I wanted to ask, uh, is, is it still the, the case that LSU has those extra scholarships that other SEC schools don't have? So most SEC schools have something. Auburn and Alabama are in the – vast minority i think there might be the only two maybe the only three i can't remember who the other one might be uh but a lot of these schools have some way to supplement baseball scholarships vanderbilt is the one that has like through need-based and being a private school they can they can make it where all 35 guys or however many the rosters are now uh can essentially be on full scholarship yeah uh, you know uh, yeah i I, I guess as far as a lot of the schools that that that's, is that due just to the lotto money that comes in to the other states. That's, that's what some some of them. Uh, Hope Scholarship, I know in in Georgia, um, Mississippi State's got a pretty sweet deal that if you make like a something like a nineteen, twenty, or twenty one on the yeah. ACT in Alabama, you get in state tuition, which goes a long way for them. That's why you see a lot of that's why you see a lot of in state Alabama kids that are really good good to, good to Mississippi State. That's why you see a lot of yeah. Auburn high kids that end up at yeah. Mississippi State. Yeah, Mississippi State, I'm, you know, I am not but uh um, yeah, I mean the great school baseball, you know, absolutely. Uh, but did y'all see uh, uh 
in high school the other day, uh, a pitcher, he got, I think he pitched a perfect game, but he went one pitch over the count. Did y'all read about that? I did not, know. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it was, in, it was in Alabama, I'm pretty sure, but, but I, I read it on AO.com. But yeah, it was high school. He pitched a perfect game, but when they looked back, he did it one pitch over the pitch count, that was, and so they had to forfeit the game. Wow. Yeah. But uh, the other thing I was going to just mention real quick is uh, as far as like in basketball and football, uh, I don't know how Auburn fan could not be just very content with what, got, you know, the quarterback and the wide receiver that football, I mean, football, they're building the line back up, both lines, uh, you know, and, and I know we lost, you know, a guy to Miami yesterday or, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I'm just, but at least we're not, you know, in the courtroom or anything. I, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I think Auburn is, Auburn people should be very happy and thankful right mm-hmm. now. No doubt about it. And there's there's so much to talk about when it comes to, the football program that, that we're going to get to today. I know Carter obviously wasn't here on Friday, so he has all his thoughts on the quarterback. Auburn picked up a receiver over the weekend, uh, and so we yeah. get to talk about all that. But, no, you're absolutely right, Ed. There there should, not, there should not be any complaints from Auburn fans when it comes to the football program. Given where we were this time last year, uh, this time six months ago, uh, I mean, Auburn fans should not have any complaints right now. Uh, and and I'm, I'm right there with them. All right, guys, thanks for taking the call. Uh, Appreciate, Appreciate the call, Ed. Good to hear from you on this Monday afternoon here on On the Line, 334-321-1390. And Carter, speaking of football, a perfect transition into the conversation now on Friday when you were out hitting golf balls and having a good time. Some I wasn't of us, on the course yet. I was driving. <laughs> well, we were here and uh, about uh, about 45 minutes to an hour before we came on the air. Uh, the news broke that Auburn and Hugh Freeze found their quarterback, Peyton Thorne, the transfer quarterback from Michigan State, uh, committed and signed to play quarterback for Auburn and Hugh Freeze in 2023. Uh, I had a lot to say about it on Friday. Had Zach Blackerby, host of Locked on Auburn. He joined me on Friday to talk about it, give his thoughts. Uh, Lots of great things in my perspective with this kid. Uh, We can sit here and have our conversation, but I will get into my stuff, and again, we'll talk it out, but want to get your initial thoughts because, uh, again, you weren't here on Friday when the news broke, and so your initial thoughts on Peyton Thorne, Auburn's potential starting quarterback in 2023. Oh, this is huge. This is huge because you get a, you get somebody with, what, 31 games of experience in his career? Or actually, no, that's not true. It's 29. I, I miscounted there. Uh, but somebody who in 2021 was one of the better quarterbacks in America. I mean, he was a 60% passer, 3,232 yards, 27 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Maybe that's a little high. You'd like to bring that down a little bit. Uh, And he's a really good player, and he's an upgrade. He's so much better. Um, He's somebody who can move, use his legs a little bit. Uh, He has six rushing touchdowns in his career, uh, 270 yards on the ground, 181 in that 2021 season. I think when you pair him with a better offensive line, which I think was an issue this past year at Michigan State. Uh, his offensive line was not very good. He got banged up. He had to play through injury, and that's why you see the drop-off uh, in production a little bit and fewer touchdowns, more interceptions. Uh, 
he also didn't have as strong of a running game. Mm-hmm. Which is Kenneth something Walker was gone. Something that's huge. I think it's something you're going to see Auburn have this next year with the new offensive line and with Jarquez Hunter, with Brian Betty, Damari Austin, Jeremiah Cobb. Those guys are all going to bring something. Sean Jackson, even. Mm-hmm. Those five guys. I think that's going to be a strong group, and I think that they're going to put up some numbers behind this new offensive line. Uh, I think if you continue to add skill position talent at receiver, then you can have a pretty lethal offense. And you're you're talking about a scheme with Hugh Freeze, Philip Montgomery. They're going to make life easier on the quarterback, play to his skills, and get the most out of him. And Auburn has already added skill guys as well. We'll talk about that transfer coming up in just a little bit as Carter goes and answers the phone. We'll get to them coming up in just a second. A stat that I saw, because if you were with me on Friday, I talked about how Peyton Thorne, he did better at Michigan State when he had a run game. And most quarterbacks do. Let's just be honest. Most quarterbacks benefit from having a good offensive line and a good run game. It makes sense. And you may be saying, well, duh, but it's true. But here's a stat that I want you to hear before we get to Spectre on the phone lines. Good friend of the show, good friend of the station, Justin Ferguson. He tweeted out today, and I think this is really, really interesting. Again, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. He said, in games which Michigan State, when Peyton Thorne was there, in games in which Michigan State rushed for at least 150 yards, okay, Peyton Thorne went 12-1 and while averaging nearly 9 yards per attempt and recording a 3-1 to touchdown to interception ratio let me say that again in games in which michigan state rushed for at least 150 yards on the ground peyton thorne had 12 wins and one loss while averaging almost nine yards per attempt and had a three to one touchdown to interception ratio what that means is if you have a solid running game and all the pressure's not on the quarterback peyton thorne thrives and I think that's what Hugh Freeze's offense can look like. And I think that's what the running back room is going to look like on this year's run on this year's Auburn squad and beyond. That stat was from Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. And I thought that was really, really interesting. We'll talk about that coming up in a few minutes. Let's get to the phone lines again, though. 334-321-1390. Inspector, you're on the line. Welcome in, man. Hey, thanks a lot. Hey, listen, um, you answered part of my question. I was going to ask you, tell me what's so great about Thorne? Uh, well, let me see. He's in the portal. If he's in the portal, why is he in the portal? Is it because Michigan State doesn't have any hope for him or they don't have a good running running game to support him? Uh, tell me about that. I think, I think so, a little bit. I think when you look at Peyton Thorne in 2021 where he had Michigan State as at one point as a number three team in the country, uh, then as a number seven team, they gave up and they went in Purdue and they lost that game and then uh, they ran into a buzzsaw at Ohio State. But Michigan State was at that at some point in that season they were up to number three in the country. Uh, Peyton Thorne was a 60% passer. Uh, he was uh, really, really, I mean, he was playing really, really good football. 2022, his stats and him, he took a step back a little bit and it's because the Michigan State didn't have the talent that they did in 2021. His offensive line took a step back. He didn't have the 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 big guys at running back to help him get. They didn't have Kenneth Walker, who's right. the Doak, Doak Walker award winner from the year before. Mm-hmm. So I think the team took a step back, which put more on him, and he didn't have as much help around him, which I think makes him take a step back. And so 
my answer to why he was in the portal, my best explanation, which I've heard from a lot of other people that have been close to the program and close around the situation, this seems like what happened with Bo Nix at Auburn, where it was just time, right? Both It was time for both parties to split and move on to, to different things. From what I can understand, I don't think Michigan State's going to be good this next year either. I don't either. Be an aspect of that, I don't either. And so I think it's it's a combination of what Specter brought up and what I said was I think it was time for both parties to separate. And I also think Peyton Thorne maybe saw the writing on the wall where Michigan State's just not going to be that good this year. I mean they they well, play Washington, Maryland, uh, at Iowa, Michigan, at Ohio State, at Minnesota, and Penn State. Those are all games that, yeah. if you're asking me right now, I'd say I'd lean that they probably lose. Well, you mentioned Knicks. You know, Knicks left because he didn't have a sporting cast. Right. So um, we don't know if we have one or not. I think I think you've got somebody who is a significant upgrade over what you have. And I think, I think he brings good decision-making. I think he brings some pretty good accuracy. I think he's somebody who can – Layer balls into receivers over the linebacker under the safety. Uh, he can attack the middle of the field. I think he gives you a more versatile passing game. Uh, he's mobile enough to keep plays alive on the ground. He's mobile enough to run the ball every now and then uh, when you need him to. He's not Robbie Ashford. That's not what you're going to ask him to do. But I think he frees up this offense to be as explosive as it can be in 2023. You know, Robbie Ashford, I think this is actually what he needed to make himself better because now he's got somebody competing for his job. Mm-hmm. I well, agree. And, and, and I think he just needed a year to develop anyway. Yeah, I don't think I 2023 think was going to be the year to throw him out there and say, hey, you're the guy. I don't think you were going to get yeah. the best version of him. My opinion about Robbie Ashford is that he was young and inexperienced and he was a hothead. He's, you know, he's got that behind him now. He's, he's got one year under his belt as as the starting quarterback, and basically, I don't. I think it's his job to lose. You think it's Robbie's job to lose? I do. I do. I, I do, wholeheartedly I do. disagree with that statement. I figured you would. I, I, you don't go get Peyton Thorne for him to come sit behind Robbie Ashford, especially when Robbie Ashford is a forty nine percent passer and has not shown the greatest. Well, uh, ability to to process as a quarterback back there in the pocket. He is a phenomenal athlete, and also, I mean, well, he's been, he's gotten himself banged okay. up pretty pretty easily here the past the past eight months. Yeah, he's injury prone. I I grant you, but that's part of growing up. I, you know, a lot of kids they go in there and they get injured real quick, and next thing you know, they got they're gun shy. But that could be worked out. Could like be. I said, you know, it I, could I may be, be yeah. wrong. I may be wrong, but I'm I'm thinking Robbie is Robbie's uh, position to lose. I don't think so, but that's fine. I, I think, I mean, I think Peyton Thorne's going to be your guy. I agree with Carter. I don't think you go and get uh, a two-year starter at Michigan State who has two more years of eligibility and you don't start him. Now, if he comes in and doesn't perform well, I don't think Hugh Freeze is the type of coach to give him the job just because, but I think he is much better than, than anybody else in the room, and I think he's your starter. Now, I will say, one thing I saw from Robbie Ashford that I did like, and maybe he did it for show, or maybe he truly believes this, but on Friday when Peyton Thorne committed he tweeted out and he said iron sharpens iron 
let's get to work. I and, think, and I I think like his that. mindset has gotten better. And honestly, the fact that the the position players have been, the offensive skill position players have been so gung-ho since Casey Thompson, Peyton Thorne hit the portal, that says a lot to me. And honestly, Spectre, if we were starting tomorrow without Peyton Thorne, I don't think Robbie Astra takes the first snap of the season. Uh, give me a break. Who do you think would be it? I mean, I've heard I've heard good things about Holden, and I think those two guys would battle it out, especially now that TJ is not here or will be leaving as a grad transfer. Um, I think I think Holden Gerner would give him a run for his money. Now it would come down yeah. to who gives you the most wins when it comes to the fall and through fall practice, and I think it would be up in the air. But uh, I just don't know if it's a it's a hundred percent fact that it would be Robbie's job. Yeah, well, the coach we got now, I think, is the one that's going to put uh, Robbie on the right track. Oh, I agree. If he, if he could do it for Willis, he could do it for him. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. And look, he, he's going to help Robbie the best that he can. And, and, and he's not going to put somebody out there that's not ready and doesn't give, doesn't give people the most wins. But Spectre, we're up against a break, man. It's good to hear from you. We got to get out of here. Sorry. Yep. Appreciate the call, Spectre. We got uh, people holding on. We got to get to a break. We'll get to them when we come back. May have to carry in to hour two. What a busy hour we've had, huh? It's been fantastic. Yes. We'll get to we'll get to some more phone calls when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's wrap up hour number one by getting back to the phone lines of what's been a busy, busy hour. Trent, you are on the line. You've got a couple of minutes, man. We'd love to hear from you. What you got? Hey, guys. Uh, to me, I just feel like as far as the quarterback is concerned, it's whoever's job wins it. I think it could be anybody. Plus, I haven't heard anything about who is the guy, the young guy, Walker. Is that correct? Walker White. Walter, Walker White. Walker, yeah, you know, I know it, I know he hasn't been at school yet and whatever, but, you know, as talented as he's supposed to be, he may come in and challenge him for it too as well. So Walker White is the 24 quarterback commit, so he's still a year out from 24. being on campus. Okay. Hank, okay. Brown, Hank Brown will be on campus late, later this month. Gotcha. gotcha. I, I, I feel like the, the consensus from talking to people is some people think Hank Brown's got a little more upside than people are giving him credit for, but I think – Everybody pretty across the board believes that he is somewhat of a project multi-year guy, being a mid-range three-star that was going to go to either Liberty or UAB before he ended up coming to Auburn. Gotcha. Okay. I appreciate it, guys. Have a good day. Yeah, we appreciate, appreciate you coming on and holding on through uh, the break. We've got a couple of minutes. Do we want to try and get this in? Yeah. I think we should. All sure. right, let's go ahead and get back to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. And Steve, you got a few minutes, man. We appreciate you holding on. What you got? Hey, I, I, I really can't believe everybody's talking about, you know, Robbie and all this. Well, by bringing in this quarterback as a two-year starter, Coach Freeze has basically said nobody in the room was good enough to play in the SEC. He knew it when he walked in that room the first day, and he has massively recreated that room. He's bringing in a guy who's going to start next year, possibly go Agreed. to the NFL if he has a really good season. And and he'll be there as Walker White and Hank Brown – or Hank Brown – you know, fill out the room. He's going to have all his own guys in that room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. None of the guys that were in that room when he got there will ever play a down for him unless there's major injuries. Bingo. It's well, nothing, nothing against those kids. They're not good quarterbacks. They were what we could get because we were terrible at recruiting quarterbacks. <laughs> we were running a stupid offense before that. 
And then we had a guy that the only worst recruiter we ever had was year two Terry or year three Terry Bouts. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it I, doesn't, I'm, not, I'm, not, you know, I'm not blaming those kids. They took an opportunity to play in the college, but they're not SEC quarterbacks. So there's not going to be a battle. Unless and, and, unless Thorne gets hit by a truck, he's the starting quarterback the minute he gets on campus. Yeah, I mean, I I tell you what, I I agree with you. I mean, I I think that Peyton Thorne comes in to be the starter one hundred percent. I'm not going to close the door one hundred percent on Robbie Ashford because I think that there are tools there. I just think it is raw right now. It's got to develop. Holden Gurner, maybe. Could be an SEC caliber guy down the line, but I mean, in in modern college college football, if those guys don't see a path to playing time this year or next, because I think your worst case scenario at the quarterback position is Peyton Thorne is back in twenty twenty four, and you've got a one year kind of uh, developmental period for a guy like Walker White, or two years for Hank Brown, or I mean, there's other transfer guys out there, and there might be who knows Auburn could take a second quarterback in this class. I, th- and guess I, what, I think guess the chances of, of Holden and Robbie hanging on through two two years of Peyton Thorne, I think that's very low. And guess what's going to happen in 24? He's going to go get another one. Yeah. We're, we're not going to promise anybody playing time. They're going to bring quarterbacks in who actually try to beat the quarterback out who's in front of them. Mm-hmm. There'll be no – this ain't daddy YMCA ball. There'll be none of this, well, you know, we don't want to hurt your feelings. If you're not the best player, you will not play. And I think he got here and realized that why wow, these might be great kids and talented and athletic and whatever. You want to, they ain't quarterbacks. He set it up for himself to have his own guy as a starter, a guy he was going to take the liberty with him as possibly a project. I think Garner will be the backup, and then he'll be gone. When Walker White gets there, it'll be all his three guys and maybe maybe a possible walk on. It just it's just it's just the cleaning of house that had to happen. And I'm just glad we finally got a coach that has the guts to do it. I'm with you, Steve. Sounds like you get it to me, brother. We appreciate the call. We're about to get out of here on a break, but we appreciate the call, man. That is Steve joining us on the phone lines, coming in, uh, fired up, and I love it. I absolutely what? love it. And you know why? Because he's right. It's he's this, right. It's what I've been talking about. The, the the fan base has been, their brains have been poisoned a little bit by mediocre quarterback play into thinking Robbie Ashford is the best Auburn can do. We'll talk about it some more coming up in hour number two. It's been a busy hour number one. Don't turn that radio dial. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. 
You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Monday, May 8th, 2023. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend as our number two rolls on here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. He is Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of our number one, it was busy. Man, we had callers coming in left and right and we absolutely loved it. Talking all things Auburn, uh, we started the hour talking Auburn baseball and softball after both of them had very impressive weekends on the uh, on the diamond, on the mound, in the circle. And uh, Auburn baseball getting the win over number one LSU. Auburn softball uh, wrapping up their regular season uh, with a win over Mississippi State and securing the number three seed in the SEC tournament so lots of conversation around that and then uh, lots of talk about the quarterback situation because Carter was not with us on Friday when the news broke about Peyton Thorne and so we were starting to get into that conversation a little bit and uh, the phone lines blew up we had people calling in about baseball and football and, and all kinds of stuff and so we appreciate everybody calling in in the first hour if you missed any of it be sure you go and and catch up with the podcast you can find it at espnau.com it'll be commercial free right there right after the show or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast but coming up here in hour two we're going to continue talking Auburn football with the quarterback situation also talk about the receiver transfer that Auburn picked up over the weekend from Ohio State we'll talk about why that is so important and then coming up at 3 30 Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will wrap it all up talking baseball baseball softball football basketball as well which we may not even have time to get to the basketball stuff today but we will and if we don't then uh, we'll get to it coming up throughout the week but again phone lines are open give us a call 334-321-1390 and Carter as we continue this uh, this Auburn football conversation with Peyton Thorne coming in via the transfer portal from Michigan State lots to break down here with this guy but he's a really talented player He's a really good, smart, decision-making quarterback, and I like him a lot. And we can talk about why he was in the portal or why he left Michigan State. Uh, When Zach Blackerby of Locked on Auburn joined me on Friday, we pretty much closed the narrative that Michigan State didn't want him or the receiver from Michigan State that's in the portal that they didn't get along. Uh, Both of those things just don't seem to be true. And so uh, I, I think it's fair that we can close out those conversations. But as the week and weeks go on, we can talk about what Peyton Thorne can bring to Auburn if he is named the starting quarterback but not just him committed on Friday over the weekend Auburn had another big time commit on the offensive side of the football one that we have been waiting on uh, one that Auburn fans have definitely been waiting on and Peyton Thorne if he is the starting quarterback in 2023 he's got a new receiver to throw the football to yeah I mean this is a guy who does not have any stats at Ohio State but let's start off with this um If Brian Hartline deems you good enough to play receiver at Ohio State, you are talented. You are very talented. Brian Hartline is the best wide receiver coach in America at evaluating and developing talent. Just look at who they've had drafted. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. They have pumped out first and second round NFL talent 
nonstop at that school. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be the best of all of them. He's still on campus. He's the best receiver in college football. And when I look at a guy like Caleb Burton, I look at a guy who, after one year, just decided to move on, which is fine. There's plenty of reasons for that. And I look at a guy who has a build that is Garrett Wilson-ish. One of those speedy receivers that is a good route runner that can take a slant and take it to the house. And the upside of that intrigues me. Because Auburn has not had that guy who's an elite route runner and has high-end speed and can take a five-yard route and turn it into an 80-yard route for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yes, Anthony Schwartz has been on campus. Anthony Schwartz was not a great route runner. He was not great at start, starting and stopping. You haven't really seen this skill set on Auburn's roster effectively, and I'm very intrigued by it. When Caleb Burton was a prospect coming out of high school, he was ranked 132 nationally. That's all the players combined. He was the 21st ranked wide receiver, and he committed to play for Ohio State back in 2020. And as Carter said, if you are a receiver that gets the invitation to play at Ohio State, you're doing something right, and you must be pretty darn good because Ohio State doesn't just bring in bums off the street. They bring in the best of the best, and then they make them NFL-level talent. And so... Did Caleb Burton play at Ohio State? No, he didn't. Should that be a concern for Auburn fans? No, it should not. Because the amount of talent that's in the receiver room at this Ohio may State... not be a fair comparison, but Jamison Williams. Yeah. Jamison Williams. Exactly. to Alabama's first-round draft pick. Not, Caleb Burton's going to be a redshirt freshman. Right. That's probably going to need more time. But And let's not get quoted saying... There's a path for somebody to go somewhere <laughs> else and be awesome right let's not get quoted saying that Caleb Burton's the next Jamison Williams no, he's not he he's could not. be they're, they're not the same player no they're not they're absolutely not and but you're exactly right when you talk about a guy that came from Ohio State and became a superstar it happens and that's because there are really 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 good wide receivers coming out of high school that's why they choose to go to Ohio State because they get developed and they go to the best receiver room in the entire country. And so Caleb Burton, six foot, 165 pounds, uh, according to 247. He is coming to play for Auburn. And uh, as long as he can show his skill set and show that he uh, can, can be an effective route runner and catch the football and be a, an effective player on the field, I mean, he walks into a starting role, in my opinion. I think he can walk in and be that I mean, dude. Brown. Javaris Johnson right now and Caleb Burton gives you a solid three. I think you're out there trying to get two more. And if you fill that group out with with four guys that you know you can really rely on, you still got Jay Fair, you still got Amari Kelly, some young guys uh, developing, I think you'd be pretty happy with that group. And again, it goes back to Auburn gets a quarterback commit, and within 48 hours you get a wide receiver commit. And I don't think they're and done. I don't think it'll, it'll be the last one by, by any stretch. I think I, in my mind, think there'll be two more. I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. And when you bring a, a legitimate quarterback who can throw the football effectively, has proven he can do it on the college level, that makes it a, an attractive place for wide receivers to want to go. Let's get to the phone lines again. 334-321-1390. And Mark, you're on the line here in hour number two. Welcome in. Thank you, sir. Y'all having a great day. Great yeah. show. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Hey, uh, appreciate it. I, I was listening to uh, Barrett Salee yesterday, 
and uh-huh. they were saying that uh, Keon Coleman is going to visit Auburn also. There's been a lot of back and forth on that, on whether he is or isn't. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I know that it was reported somewhere that he was going to be on campus Sunday, and then several places said he would not be on campus, including some of the FSU beat sites said that his uh, visit to FSU is going to extend into Monday. I saw today he is going to he has scheduled his visit to Ole Miss. I mean, it'll be something to keep an eye on. Uh, he's certainly intriguing. A guy who had 798 yards last year and seven touchdowns on 58 catches. Uh, 6'4", 210. He's a great skill set. I just think I, I I wonder how much if I wonder if Hugh Freeze is targeting specific guys for fit and for specific roles. And I'm curious to see right. if Keon Coleman is on that list. Now they did say that they thought Florida State was the uh, definitely in the lead. Mm-hmm. And the other uh, the other uh, thing I saw was that. I saw where there was a crystal ball pick for Lamonius. Is his name Lamonius Craig? Montana Lamonius Craig is his name. Yeah, he, uh, I think I think Auburn's sitting in a really good spot for him. I believe he Jeffrey was, Lee gave his crystal ball for that, right? Yeah, he's he's somebody who's done well here uh, recently. I mean, last year, 359 yards, three touchdowns on 23 catches. He had 154 yards, I want to say, in their spring game. Uh, 6'2", 185 pounds. I think he's somebody that, if Auburn wants him, I think Auburn can land him. Yeah. And I uh, I tell you, it's a good time to be an Auburn fan, like you said at the beginning of the show, with all four sports going right now. I know we lost one to Miami, but, uh, you know, you just got to trust Bruce Pearl. He'll put it together. That's right. All right, guys. Y'all have a great afternoon. Appreciate Appreciate the call, Mark. Good to hear from you, man. We appreciate the kind words as well. 334-321-1390. Yeah, lots of stuff on the basketball side. I'm not going to call it a loss for Matthew Cleveland until I see how things shake out the rest of the way with the transfer portal. Well, we've sort of had the feeling with Matthew Cleveland that maybe he was fourth or fifth on the transfer list compared to other guys. I think it's fluctuated throughout time, but mm -hmm. I think here in the last couple weeks he's been behind at least somebody. Is he a good player? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. He's absolutely a good player. Uh, But I think from what we've seen and what we've heard – I think that Auburn basketball and Bruce Pearl have their eyes set on maybe a bigger fish, and they're going after that. Nothing against Matthew Cleveland. I think he's a really good player, yes. but I think they've got some other things in the works. There's a ton of stuff on we, basketball we, know, we haven't got. We know gotten how to. much that they've been interested in Tyron Lawrence mm-hmm. as a potential uh, addition to this Auburn roster. I think Tyron Lawrence might be the top guy. I know he's exploring the potential of uh, going pro. And it's going to be interesting to see to see what what shakes out there. Yeah, which is a legitimate viable option now for for guys playing the game of college basketball. We've seen plenty of them do it out of the high school ranks and even coming out of the college ranks as well. And so uh, we'll see what that looks like. Hopefully, uh, later on in the show or even later on in the week, we'll get to all the basketball news as well. I mean. We got the news of today, if you want to dive into it. We can. Yeah, that's absolutely. Let's go ahead and do it. We saw the news earlier uh, about something we have... Look, we've known this was coming, right? We knew it was coming. We had a pretty good feeling this was going to happen. It's TJ Finley-ish. Yeah, pretty much. You want to talk about a situation... TJ Finley-ish if TJ Finley actually like contributed. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You want to talk about a, a player and a 
in a program where the time was just sort of out, where the sand had had emptied from that end of the hourglass jar. It was just time for this to, to, to go. And Alan Flanagan has officially announced that he will be entering his name into the transfer portal. Do you like that? Are hourglasses in jars? Or are they it's, just hourglasses? It's an hourglass jar. It's not a jar. It's just an hourglass. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. But, but yes, the hourglass, is... the sand had run out to the other end, yes. and Alan Flanagan has announced he will enter his name into the transfer portal. I mean, another one of these worst-kept secrets in Auburn kind of thing. Been feeling this way for a long time. I mean, whether it was going to be going pro, whether it was going to be going somewhere else, going to play for his dad. I mean, once his dad left, I think writing was kind of on the wall. I I mean, honestly, if you told me at the beginning of the year would Alan Flanagan be on the roster in the 23-24 season, I would have said no. I did not expect him to be here longer than this past season. Honestly, there are parts of me that at times wondered uh, last offseason if he'd be on the team for this past year. But I certainly don't think uh, that – what on earth are you putting in my face right now? <laughs> so you were making fun of me for saying hourglass jar, so I started looking you it up. You pulled up a pickle jar. Don't even compare an hourglass. I was incorrect jar. on my statement, but an hourglass jar is a thing. Just so, You can yeah, buy it on sure Amazon it for twenty two ninety nine. But, yes, I'm with you on Alan Flanagan, um, a guy that averaged 10 points in, what, six rebounds this past year. Look, the – the the ride for Alan Flanagan for with Auburn basketball has been up and down to say the least. Uh, his his first year when he was back in the early stages of his Auburn career when he was the guy when Auburn didn't really have a whole lot else and Alan Flanagan was projected at one point a top fifteen draft pick uh, and then got hurt and he's been battling coming back from injury he's been battling where his spot what his role was within Auburn basketball and what he was being asked to do around guys that were just flat out better than him um, I think he struggled with that for a long time you saw him take a uh, some time away from the team uh, you've seen him really struggle to get back into a routine and into a flow into a confidence level that has made Alan Flanagan so special in the past now down the stretch I think he was a, a legitimate contributor for this team and I oh, think yeah. I mean he was a double digit I mean, in scorer terms of, in terms of win shares uh, the stat that kind of weighs how you are on offense and defense. I mean, he was his best year was this past year. I think uh his, this was his second highest usage rate. And I think once you got him out there and he was playing he was he had the ball in his hands a little bit more often. I think you saw him settle into a solid role and the back half of the year I thought he was a key player. Mm-hmm. Um but I do I do think that for everybody involved, time was kinda up. I think it was the same way for for his dad as well. I think that's what happened with with Wes Flanagan and Bruce Pearl, where he wasn't fired and he also didn't quit. It was just more of a okay. It's I think it's time for 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 me, Wes Flanagan, to to go on. And we've seen him join the staff at Ole Miss under Chris Beard. Now we have seen a lot of things recently since we've been waiting on this news for Alan Flanagan to transfer that. He would go and join his dad at Ole Miss. Well, he can do that, but transferring at this point within the conference, correct me if I'm wrong, you'd have to get the waiver for him to go over there and play immediately. And we just don't know what the status is 
on all of that. We just don't know. I don't think, I don't think basketball and football follow the same rule there. So because, he wouldn't because he could play immediately. I think so. Yeah, I I, I think so. One hundred percent. I think so. I mean, let let's think about this. If basketball and football followed the same interconference waiver format, if they were on the same schedule, that means that there could be no interconference transfers in the SEC after basketball season because the the window would have already passed. I think it's different. I, I I think it's different. I don't. I think Alan Flanagan will be playing at a school like Ole Miss immediately. Yeah, I'd have to do some more inter, some more research. Interesting question that uh, Jack Hutton posted to us, and we'll talk about this when we come back. I think this is interesting. If Jabari Smith never comes to Auburn, would Alan Flanagan have gotten drafted? Think about that for a second. We'll talk about that. When we come back, I don't. I don't even follow why those are because basically connected. Jack is saying if Jabari, the dominant, ex- extremely well player that he is, if he doesn't come to Auburn, no, it, no, it's it's he's got the wrong person in mind. I'll just leave it at that. We'll talk about it when we come back. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We'll talk about Alan Flanagan, what it means for him when he moves on from Auburn, what it means for Auburn uh, that he's moving on and where they can go because we've already seen Bruce going into the portal and going after guys at that position, which is sort of why we saw the writing on the wall for Alan Flanagan. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. You are on the line on ESPN one zero six seven. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Back inside the studio at ESPN 106.7 for the Monday edition of On the Line. Got a few minutes left before uh, we get to our good buddy Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network who will recap what has been a wild weekend in Auburn athletics, baseball, softball, football recruiting, basketball transfer portal news. Uh, So much going on. Uh, You had golf going on over the weekend. You had all kinds of stuff going on for Auburn Athletics. So we'll talk to Jacob Hillman coming up at 3.30. But want to continue a little bit on the basketball stuff. We've talked a lot of football today. Uh, We'll get Jacob Hillman's thoughts on all of that. But with the basketball stuff, with Alan Flanagan, this was a guy during his time at Auburn, he got a lot of heat. He did. He got a lot of heat from from us. I mean, we are are in that boat where we gave Alan Flanagan the I w- I would like to admit that we gave him the credit he deserved when he played well, and we gave him the the criticism that he deserved when he didn't play well. I mean, my my nickname for him was ATM, Automatic Turnover Machine. Now, there were there there were times where the body language and the effort they're really poor. Right, and and I think he struggled with confidence at times. And again, I really do think. He struggled coming back from injury, trying to find his role on this Auburn basketball squad. When there was a lot of talent around him, there was a lot of ball-dominant players around him, and he wasn't the go-to guy anymore. I think he struggled with that. But as we saw this past year, he got more comfortable. And I liked Alan Flanagan off the bench at times. I liked him not having to have the pressure of being in that starting role, in that starting five. I liked him not having to be the role of bringing the ball up the floor. Like, I think those things for Alan Flanagan, when he was able to come off the bench at Auburn, I think he played much better. I think he played with more confidence, and there was less pressure for him to perform well. 
And wherever he goes, I think the favorite is Ole Miss. Um, I wouldn't hate it for him if he were to go somewhere a little bit smaller to where he could maybe become that go-to guy again. Uh, Because I think he's good enough to do it on a little bit smaller scale. If he goes to Ole Miss... They are going to bring some talent in. Let's just be honest. I mean, Chris Beard's going to bring some talent into Oxford, Mississippi. So what his role would be on that team, I don't know. I don't know. We'd have to wait and see. But I wouldn't hate it for Allen to go and play on a a little bit smaller of a program on a smaller scale and be a really, really solid player. Yeah, I mean, I think when you... I think Alan Flanagan, there's going to be better places where he's a better fit and he's going to get more playing time, get the ball in his hands more often. I think Ole Miss is going to be a great place for that. Um, I have been over here pondering um, Jack Hudden's question before the break. (laughs) If Jabari Smith never came to Auburn, would Alan Flanagan have been drafted? Yes and no. Like I, I, I great guess. answer. <laughs> like he, he would great have, answer. He, we would have seen him more with the ball in his hands. So sure, but at the same time, you shouldn't need fewer great, good to great players on your team to get drafted. If you are a draft worthy, you should be able to work with other guys. Because in the NBA, you're not going to be the best guy on your team. Well, think about Alan Flanagan in professional basketball, and the, the, if he ever makes it to the NBA level, will never ever be the best player on his team. He won't be the top five player on his team. But think about when he was the go-to guy on Auburn. That's why he was such a high draft pick because he was doing Alan Flanagan things. What are we talking about? He wasn't drafted. No, I'm saying when he was in draft conversations, when he yes. was a top 15 projected pick. My apologies. He was a top, he was a lottery projected pick. He also pick. was playing out of position and turning the ball over so much that Auburn fans were ruthlessly crushing him on social media. I agree, and I never agreed with him being a top 15 projected draft. He pick. was. I mean, he was back in first round. Yes, but but look, Alan Flanagan is a professional player. Definitely a professional player. But let's not like Jabari Smith being on your team should free ideally free you up for better looks to be more efficient, allow you to have less pressure on yourself to be the go to guy. I agree. It should free you up for an easier 15 points per game. Now, the injury is the story here. Mm-hmm. If he never gets hurt he is drafted that's a different conversation i agree i agree it's not jabari smith that held alan flanagan back it's alan flanagan's injury that held alan flanagan back those are two different conversations and i don't think any auburn fan is upset that jabari smith decided to come to auburn which by the way good little bridge here before we get to break did you see the announcement from the nba today that walker kessler was first team all nba rookie team and jabari was all second team nba rookie yeah i think uh kessler's the third first team all rookie team and jabari's the sixth second team all rookie team mm-hmm. yeah those so, stats are from our good buddy who keeps recurring in today's show justin ferguson yeah well there you go and uh yeah so i thought that was i think that's big time i mean you look at we talk about all the time with Bruce Kessler, Pearl. Kessler's the first first team all rookie team from Auburn since Chuck Person in '87. Wow! And Jabari is the sixth uh, all rookie, or no, it's six all rookie teams ever. Charles Barkley first team in '85. 
Chuck Person, first team in 87. Chris Morris, second team in 89. Wesley Person, second team in 95. And then Walker Kessler, first team this year. Jabari Smith, second team this year. Actually, scratch that. Apparently, Marquise Daniels was second team in 2004, and Isaac Coro was second team in 2021. Well, there you go. So it's now eight. How about that? How about that? Auburn basketball doing things in the professional level. Well, look, we talk about it all the time. It's the most unsure how about that I've ever gotten. Well, I didn't know if there was more or not. No, you sounded it. like you were going to say more, so nope. I was going to let you go. But with this Bruce Pearl program and Bruce Pearl at the helm, he's putting guys in the NBA. And not only is he putting guys in the NBA, folks, he's putting effective players in the NBA. Walker Kessler was a first-team all-rookie. That means he's one of the best rookies in the league. Jabari Smith was second-team all-rookie. He's one of the best rookies in the, le- in the league. And that's with Jabari Smith having an extremely slow start playing on an abysmal Houston Rockets team. Yeah. I mean, terrible. Absolutely I terrible. I think Jabari's going to be really good. I think Jabari's going to be really good for a long time. I think Kessler has a chance to be great. Do you worry about the league adjusting to Walker Kessler and slowing him down? I mean, how do you adjust for a guy who blocks out the sun at the rim? Bully him? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That hasn't worked. People tried that. I know, and I'm ha- I'm happy for him, man. There's They're not that many it. bully ball like shack centers in the league right now. That's fair. Well, you've got uh, Jokic who just shoves people out of the way. You have that too. Well, only only owners. That's right. <laughs> we got to get to a break. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joins us when we come back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes left on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. He is Carter Bird. And let's have our Monday guest. It is Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network who joins us every Monday at 3.30. Hillman, you have one segment today, and it's to tell us why Auburn baseball is the hottest team in America right now. (laughs) Man, it, it really is something that I wouldn't have expected a month ago. If you told me that Auburn would take four out of six from South Carolina and LSU, I would have taken it in a heartbeat, and I would have found it hard to believe. So it, it, it's just been a great turnaround. This team has, has really found it and has all the confidence and momentum in the world. Well, we'll start right there as Auburn baseball coming off of what was the best series win of the year against number two, South Carolina. They come home and they said, yeah, that wasn't good enough, so let's do it again, but just a little bit better. And they defeat the number one team in the country, the LSU Tigers. No, they cannot take down Paul Skeens on Friday night, who is going to be a top two draft pick, but they back it up with wins on Saturday and on Sunday and two of the best series wins in the country, and they belong to Auburn baseball. How'd they do it? Well, yeah, first of all, Skeens, man, that, that guy is, is something special. That's one of the He's best performances. He's nasty, man. We, we, yeah, man, we have seen in a long time, especially at Plains Park. So, uh, Since I, Casey I Mize. Really, yeah, man, yeah, I mean, 15 strikeouts, exactly that. So it, it's been a while since Plains Park has seen a pitcher like that. And, and, and I really think it started with the pitching strategy, the rotation, where you, you, you threw Vail and Herbert Holtz on Saturday and Sunday and, and the fact that Chase also gave you four innings on Friday gave you really a chance to win. I mean, you were just not going to get any runs put across on schemes. And, and, and what I thought was impressive was, was the defense and pitching this weekend, holding LSU the way it did. Uh, Saturday, obviously, the most runs 
the Tigers, uh, the LSU Tigers scored with six, and Auburn able to win that game. I, I just think that really the bullpen uh, finally having a, a just an all around consistent weekend where you win a Sunday game and the way you do it is in dominating run rule fashion. Uh, guys like Drew Nelson, uh, Zach Crotchell had he, he only faced one batter over the weekend, but it was a huge one that he faced. Will Cannon, obviously, it, it was just a it was it was an unbelievable weekend from this bullpen and and really uh, I thought the offense it was, it was timely hitting and then obviously the Sunday game just just letting the pitchers from LSU walk you in the first inning to to go up six to one that that was a huge advantage for the Tigers. So given I mean we we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the expectation was to take two of the next six. Auburn takes four. How uh. Crazy and unrealistic would it be for Auburn to climb into a host discussion? <laughs> hey, that, trust me, that question has been uh, uh, talked about and discussed uh, over the last couple of days amongst us here at the Auburn Sports Network. What, well. what has what have you and Brad said about it? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, we, we at first we're thinking that's still a little crazy, but it, it really it's is not. The RPI continues to climb because I mean that's the thing. If you if you finish this season on on a hot streak. I think you got to do. I think you got to go five and one at least over these next two weekends, and and win your midweek games. But I, I just think it's one. It's one of those things that when you take four out of six from the top two teams in the country, obviously they're not ranked that anymore. That that is a big deal, and and it really helps your metrics and and, and the outlook for this team as well as how the the committee views this team. So I, I just think that the confidence really helps this team push forward and. And they're going to make it difficult for the committee to, to, to keep them out of the hosting spot if they take care of business over these next two weekends. Well, it's like March Madness when we're talking about a team that should get in because they're hot and they didn't maybe handle business early <laughs> on, but they're getting hot down the stretch. And you got to put them in. You got to put them in. And Auburn so, is the Texas A&M of <laughs> I'm okay with that. Well, well I, I, I mean, are you? I because A&M team, feel flat on their face in postseason. Yeah. Very true. This team, this team is in the postseason. I would say solidly at this point. I, I, I think that's where we're at is where we're questioning, can this team talk its way into a hosting discussion? It's, it's Like I said, it's got to take care of business over these next two weeks. There's no room for error if you want that, but uh, it, it's possible. That, that's what's so wild. Well, Hillman, another team that's definitely in the conversation to host is Auburn Softball. I know you were on the call this weekend when the Tigers are uh, able to take care of the Mississippi State Bulldogs and wrap up the regular season with a series win over Mississippi State. They win on Friday night 5-2. to two. They lose on Saturday 5-4, or five to four, and then they wrap it up yesterday with a 3 to nothing shutout, and they will be the three seed in the SEC tournament in Fayetteville. What did you see from Auburn Softball? Softball over the weekend to wrap up the regular season, and how are they feeling? How are you feeling going into the SEC tournament about this squad? Well, it, it was a wild weekend at JB Moorefield, one of the wilder weekends we've had so far this season. That that came to Saturday. I still haven't really processed everything that happened, but uh, nonetheless, it, it was it was a positive weekend. I think you wanted to sweep Mississippi State really to to to, to help your hopes uh, as far as hosting. There's still a chance at that. Um, but but losing to Mississippi State, who's towards the bottom in the conference, uh, that that it would have been really nice to get a sweep. But overall, I feel pretty confident about this team going into Fayetteville for the SEC tournament, getting some help from Missouri yesterday uh, to get that top three seed. 
was a big deal. So you get the extra day off. Uh, you also wouldn't have to face Tennessee until the championship game if you're too advanced there. And if Tennessee's able to make it there as well, say you also avoid Alabama until the championship game. So everything kind of fell into place for the softball team as far as the SEC tournament is concerned. And, and I just think that they are super confident right now. Maddie Pensa, obviously, uh, a stud as we know, she earned her fourth SEC pitcher of the week honor. That's the first time an Auburn pitcher has ever done that. And I just think that as far as the rest of the team, the offense, the defense, it, it really is clicking. And it's clicking at the right time where, yeah, you, you lose that game too Saturday, but the way they bounced back, they, 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 they really responded well, and that's what's so important. We even saw it the weekend before uh, at South Carolina when you fall 8 to nothing, you get no hit, you come right back, and you no-hit them and beat them 10 to nothing in a run-rule fashion. So I, I just think that the bounce-back ability and the response from this, from this team has shown the ability that they have and that they just got to put it together at the right time, and now's the time to do it. So what, what do they need to do? in the SEC tournament here to lock down their case for for a host of a regional? Right. Well, I, I think, first of all, I think getting to the championship game, so winning uh, on Thursday and Friday and getting the championship, that is, that, that, that's what you need to do to at least be thinking, okay, we feel pretty good about hosting. I, you still might, but to lock it in, I think winning the championship is the obvious thing to do. And obviously we talk about how the committees, whether it's basketball, baseball, softball, whatever it is, how much do they uh, factor in uh, the SEC or the conference tournaments? It's really hard to tell because sometimes it feels like they factor it in a little bit more than, than not in, the, in this sport or that sport. And I, and I think winning a couple games in Fayetteville can uh, get you to host at JMB Moore Field. Now, you're, you're also, like I said, in a good spot to do that getting to face an LSU and Ole Miss team that you already beat this year uh, on game one. You'll find out the winner of that on Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central, and then Auburn will host or play them on Thursday at 10 a.m. Central. And then uh, you'll play a Georgia team or, or whoever beats Georgia on, on Friday in a semifinal. And, and Georgia's a team that you, have, you face in the first weekend of conference play. You probably should have beat them, and they finished second in the SEC. So – you're thinking just the route to the SEC championship for uh, the softball team. I I don't know. I feel confident about it, and I like the way this team is playing right now. And obviously when you have Matty Pence in the circle, you feel really confident. But I I just think that this offense is starting to do things, uh, or I should say score runs in different ways. There there was a point in the season where if Auburn wasn't hitting home runs, they weren't scoring runs. But now, ever since that game three against South Carolina – I guess I could even go back further and say that game three against Alabama in the top of the sixth inning, they have found ways to manufacture runs and, and string together base hits for big innings and, and really uh, score in different ways. I, I think the sixth inning on Friday was a perfect example of that where Auburn just uh, rallied for four runs. They went down 2 nothing, answered right back with one run, but then one inning later uh, blew the doors open on the game and, and got the win. 
speaking with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He joins us every Monday at 3.30 here on On the Line. Some other news outside of baseball and softball who had very impressive weekends as they come down the stretch in the regular season and into SEC play. Uh, We saw on Friday that Auburn football picked up the transfer commit uh, Peyton Thorne at the quarterback position and then over the weekend Caleb Burton, the wide receiver from Ohio State. How are you feeling, Hillman, now that Auburn uh, seems to have picked up its 2023 starting quarterback and another receiver to throw the football to. Yeah, yeah, I think you guys asked me last week if I felt better about the basketball or football transfer class at that point, and I felt better at that point about the basketball class and saying wait and see about football, and sure enough, now we have a quarterback and wide receiver transfer uh, coming to the Plains, and, and I would say that script has flipped a little bit, so it, 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 I, really, I really feel good about Thorne and Coleman uh, joining this team, and and what they can contribute this year, because obviously they will be immediate com- contributors. They weren't obviously a two-year guy. There, there's a lot to look forward to with the Michigan State product, and 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 what he can do with Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery. It, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting because I think that first month of the season where you're you're bouncing back from home and away games, you're playing at Cal, you you play a Georgia team, you also play. At Texas A&M, there, there's a lot of tests early on in the season that I think we'll, we'll, we'll be telling for this team. And obviously, Georgia, uh, they, they're the defending national champions, but you're hosting them, and, and you'd like to see that game kind of be competitive. So I, I think just looking to this season with the team that you have right now, and, and they're not done yet, obviously. There's still plenty of transfer opportunities uh, for this team and, and for players to to, to uh, transfer in, and I think you're looking at the defense now as as potentially spots to add to. And I, I just I feel really confident about this roster going forward into the summer, and, and I really can't wait till fall camp and and, and what they uh, what they show. So further evolution of our question from last week: Does Hugh Freeze take Auburn to the playoff, or Bruce Pearl take Auburn <laughs> back to the Final Four first? Oh man, that is a wow. That, that's a big leap, Carter. That is a big <laughs> leap from last week's question. Uh, not to put you on the spot so, or anything while you're on our show. Yeah, yeah that's not that's not a tough question whatsoever. I right. don't know because I, I think I, they I both think do it at year, the same time, even though that doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, I think that's I'll, I'll say um, 2024. No wait, I'll say the 2024 college football playoff and 2025 Final Four for Auburn, and so technically Hugh Freeze will take football to the. To the college football playoff, but that's my virtue. I will accept both of, the, of those answers. Wow. I accept so that, that answer. I think that's a great answer. Found our piece of audio that's for Twitter we'll today, Carter. It's, it's Hillman <laughs> predicting that football goes to the playoff in 24. We're cutting out all context and saying that he just <laughs> said it himself. He volunteered it. Yep, that's what it sounded like to me. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll live with it. I'll, I'll take the border or whatever. No big deal. Well, speaking of basketball, one more thing before we let you go. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. The basketball news we saw and got today uh, was that Alan Flanagan has or will be entering his name into the transfer portal. Uh, something that we had figured was coming when his father uh, went and went to Ole Miss and took the job over there. Alan Flanagan has or will be entering his name into the transfer portal. Your thoughts on, on what Alan did while he was at Auburn and what he could do somewhere else. Yeah, man, he was one of the most exciting and electrifying players to watch at Auburn, and I think he faced some bad luck as well, especially with the injury to his Achilles 
uh, prior to his junior year and prior to that SEC championship run with Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler, who were named to the NBA All-Rookie first and second teams today, so shout-out to them. But as far as Flanagan, man, he, he, he contributed to this Auburn program, had a little bit of bad luck, and, and, and I mean, he, he was a special player. And, and you know, if he, if he ends up uh, staying in the conference and, and going over West, then then he's not a player that – you can uh, say it. I, I Ole Miss. Say, so. You can say it. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I wish him the best because he, he really has been a great player for Auburn. And, and he got his degree on Saturday. So he is forever an Auburn man. Jacob Hillman, one more thing. With Auburn softball in the SEC tournament in Fayetteville, the most important question is, are you making the trip? And will Jacob Hillman be on the call for Auburn softball? Uh, unfortunately not. So, Potentially the regular season finale was my last time this year on the mic, but that would change if Auburn softball is the host in a couple of weeks. So, so we'll, we'll hey. see, depending on the NCAA committee, uh, whether or not my season with Auburn softball is done. So, so you're Brett saying you just Jackson never lose over. again Auburn softball so we can get more Jacob Hillman on the microphone. <laughs> I would appreciate that very much so. Well, we know who their biggest fan is. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He joins us at uh, every Monday at 3.30 right here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Hillman, you've been with me for quite a while now. We appreciate your time. And, we, and uh, every single time you hop on here, every single Monday at 3.30, man, let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing over at the Auburn Sports Network. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. Follow at AU Sports Network. All coverage details for upcoming baseball and softball postseason play uh will be there and uh like i said me Britt bowen jj jackson will have you covered on the softball side and and andy birch and brad law will have you covered on the baseball side that is jacob hillman of the auburn sports network man we'll talk to you next week all right thank you guys war eagle that's jacob hillman he joins us every monday at 3 30 we'll get to our final break here in the monday edition of on the line we'll wrap it all up if you'd like to join us phone lines are open one more time 334-321-1390 you are on the line on espn 1067 Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line, I'm Jacob Goeth. He is Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Big thank you to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network who joins us every Monday at 3.30 right here on ESPN 106.7. Recapping what has been a very, very busy weekend in Auburn athletics, whether it be on the field or off the field. A very, very busy and positive weekend for Auburn Athletics all around. And so we appreciate Jacob Hillman hopping on and uh, giving us all the information on that. If you missed any of today's show, uh, it's been very, very, very busy, but a whole lot of fun. Talking about baseball and softball and the football recruiting news, the basketball uh, recruiting transfer portal news uh, with Alan Flanagan leaving football. Obviously talking about Peyton Thorne and Caleb Burton committing over the weekend on Friday and over the weekend. Uh, baseball and softball getting big wins and so if you missed any of today's show we've had lots of callers it's been a lot of fun uh we uh recommend that you go and catch up with the podcast you can find it anywhere you get your podcast just search on the line 
It'll be commercial free right after the show today. So be sure you go and do that. Or you can find it at ESPNAU.com. Just click on the podcast center and it will all be right there. Just sort of giving you a rundown on what the rest of the week is going to look like. Uh, Trey Wallace will join us tomorrow who covers the SEC for OutKick. Uh, He'll join the show tomorrow to give us his thoughts coming out of spring practice, what the transfer portal has done around college football, and um, we'll get his thoughts. He always has some uh, very interesting things to say, does Trey Wallace. Wednesday got confirmation the one and only Christian Clemente will join us in studio for hour number one to talk about recruiting transfer portal what Auburn football has done in this spring window and how we just don't think they're done yet then uh, Austin Hannon will join us Bama Central will be the guest at 3 30 on Monday he's been joining us or started joining us last week and will continue to join us uh, every week and then Thursday will be Chris Gordy host of Locked on SEC he joins us every Thursday and then uh, Friday will be wide open so that's sort of what we're looking at for the rest of the week and lots and lots and lots of conversation about this quarterback situation the transfers coming in for Auburn and the ones that could still possibly roll in for Hugh Freeze and this staff so I think yeah. uh, again I just don't think they're done we're, we're, we're gonna get a slow trickle of news I feel like for for the next few weeks out of football and basketball I'm here for uh, it until I guess the next couple weeks until the the summer classes all start getting uh, underway and even then, you know, Auburn's got a mini mester, two mini mesters. Mm-hmm. So could be some news even later in the summer. When does Auburn's first mini mester start? It's like June. I want to say it's like 10 days from now. Oh, it's it's not even in June. It starts in May. Okay. I want to say it's 10 days from now. I, okay. I could I'd have be to look totally it up. Wrong. Well, you're right. They have the two mini mesters. They have obviously the one, I think you're right, maybe like middle to late May that runs into maybe late june and then they have one in july that'll run through early august or something like that i never did that so i don't truly know to be Let's honest see. With you. see what they're i know they've got it on their website somewhere um because that's important because you can basically if you classes don't know what begin the, may 17th okay yeah last so. day to add classes may 18th okay interesting well and basically what that mini semester is is it is a mini semester you take a class and you go every single day five days a week and you just crank it out and you knock it out and many master half two, the time many master two starts june 27th okay state ad classes will be june 28th okay so we can probably get news all the way up until the, till that point and then i mean i guess theoretically some guys could uh just enroll in the fall realistically yeah realistically well with Peyton Thorne and Caleb Burton two big time commits out of the transfer portal and again uh, I just don't think Auburn is done and so we will continue to break down those commits that are already going to be here and the ones that are to come should be an exciting uh, rest of spring and summer for Auburn athletics but we are out of time here on the Monday edition of on the line come back tomorrow though two to four right here on ESPN 106.7 until then stay safe I'll talk to you later